definitely near the halfway point. I was really starting, you know, my mind's really, you know, you're getting tired. The loneliness sets in, the, the long days. Uh, I definitely lost a lot of confidence, uh, a lot of, I guess, that, that mental strength, especially when I got to Marin. They nicknamed that the uh, uh, Scratch City. My, my, my dad and uh, my girlfriend uh, just, you know, really reminded me that this is why I was there. There, there was no other reason, you know, for me to be there but to do this race. <laughs> this is what I've been preparing for all year, and I have to continue. That's Lamar Timmons, and this is the Bike Pack Canada podcast. Hola amigo, this is going to cut me off, but uh, I just wanted to say what's up and thanks for all you do with the Bike Pack Canada podcast. Um, Yeah, loving the men, keep it strong, all the best going forward in the new year. And as I ride my 2.4 inch tires out in the snow here in Ontario, I just want to remind people about the benefits of underbiking. Um, Bike handling skills are built right there. So um, if you're looking for a way to up those bike handling skills, underbiking is definitely a way to do it. Let yourself slip, slide, and maybe even tip over. Have a good time. Hello again, friends. Welcome back to the Bike Pack Canada podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Kyle, thanks for that uh, voice intro. That's a fantastic idea. You know, not everyone has a fat bike and it shouldn't stop you from going riding. I remember riding out in the winter a handful of years ago with my uh, Ice Biker Pros and uh, what are they, two, 2.25s, ripping around on the streets and uh, doing a little bit of single track when you can. Uh, on a bike that's under-equipped for the conditions. Definitely been there. Um, I'd still encourage you to get a fat bike though, Kyle. Get a fat bike. Just do it. You can still underbike on a fat bike. And fat's more fun. <laughs> I think the point is though, is uh, get out and ride a bike. It doesn't matter what the temperature is or how much snow there is. You know, if the roads are plowed and you just have a skinny bike, go get some studs. It's awesome. It's super fun. And uh, around here in Invermere, we, uh, we've got the lake. And uh, I think there's 30 kilometers of skating surface there. Uh, a couple of years ago, we uh, won the world record for the longest skating surface, surpassing, uh, I think, even the Rideau Canal in Ottawa. So, yeah, if you like the flat surfaces and then the ice, you can put some studs on and, and go ride on the lake uh, or just, just ride anywhere. Get out there and ride. That's the thing about, I think, fun's having a fat bike is, you know, if you get a big dump of snow, and uh, the single track's kind of socked in. You can't really get in on it. You can just ride on the roads and it's just as challenging challenging, and just as fun. And uh, I'd certainly agree that um, keeping active on a bike through the winter, um, it's really good for you. Helps your bike handling skills and really improves your core. And uh, when everyone else is complaining in the spring about the, how, how sore their ass is, you'll be like, you'll be no, you won't have a problem. So uh, yeah, get out there and ride bikes. I wanted to congratulate Eric Ross for his uh, five and a half hour finish, 60 kilometers and five and a half hours at the, uh, at Jay Peterberry's fat pursuit. Uh, awesome. Just an awesome. And, and you know, considering 60 K and five and a half hours and the conditions they had down there, I think they caught like two or three feet of snow the morning of the race. 
and they had to work hard kind of plowing the way so the riders could actually get out there and, and, and race. But um, Eric Ross is a beast and uh, you can check him out on um, Instagram. I think it's, uh, you can always search for him. It's just Eric Ross, but Epic Ross at Epic Ross. He doesn't post too, too often, but when he does, it's usually after something uh, pretty astounding that he's done. So uh, go check out Eric. Rebound Cycle wanted me to let you know that they just picked up a new line, Vessel, V-S-S-L. It's, uh, they're, they're these really cool um, camping kits. Um, every vessel is perfectly stocked with over 70 pieces of essential outdoor gear that doesn't compromise on quality, weight, or valuable pack space. Um, it's really cool. They're these aluminum tubes, and inside that tube, there's going to be like a first aid kit, fire starting kit. There's a compass in there. There's like a, like a razor blade and uh, one of those uh, wire saws, and it comes in this little compact tube. It's kind of interesting. So if you want to check that stuff out, you can go to vesselgear.ca, V-S-S-L-G-E-A-R.ca. You can check out their product and uh, go down to Rebound, check it out. If you see something you like and you want to pick it up, let them know at the cash that you heard about Vessel on the Bike Pack Canada podcast, and they're going to give you 10% off. So a good way to save a bit of cash on these uh, awesome little kits and um, yeah, something to look forward to using in the summer when you start camping again. So today on the Bike Pack Canada podcast, I bring you a conversation I had a few weeks ago with Lamar Timmins. Lamar Timmins is part owner of Allo Velo Bikes in Montreal and he rode the Silk Road Mountain Race in August and finished it in 14 days. And although he'd been to Kyrgyzstan before, he hadn't ridden a bike there. He wanted to ride a bike there, and then he learned about the race, and he had to head over and do it. And uh, this was his first bikepacking race, so talk about immersion. Just jumped in there with both feet, and uh, he overcame a lot of adversity to get to the end of that race, and you're going to hear all about it. He's a great storyteller. Uh, you'll hear in the podcast that his uh, his mindset was definitely challenged, and uh, you know, without the support of his loved ones, um, he probably wouldn't have finished it. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just need a little boost and uh, he got one and he ended up riding to the end. So I uh, hope you enjoy this conversation. And without further delay, I bring you Lamar Timmons. Right on, man. So are you recovered? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I guess uh, it's strange. Uh, it, it, it feels like a dream. Uh, it feels like, uh, yeah, I don't remember the pain anymore. Um, I guess if you were to ask me uh, a couple few months ago, I'd, I definitely still feel it um, physically and mentally. Uh, but now I guess I've, I've sort of recovered a bit and um, yeah, and now it's full on winter. So it's kind of hard to get back out. <clears throat> do you ride fat bikes? I do not, uh, but I do ride in the winter here in Montreal yeah. um, all winter. Uh, I just use a single speed nice, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Single speed. That's good training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I usually Definitely. ride, I usually ride single speed on trails. You know, I, I don't bike. I bike pack with gears, but I, uh, I haven't really pulled the trigger on trying to do an event on single speed yet. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a long game strategy for me to try to do single speed over like a really long distance for me personally. Uh, no, no single speed for, for any type of event. I've, I've, I've done a long ride myself. I, uh, I did Toronto to Montreal on a single speed. 
but uh, at the Silk Road this year, uh, for the first time, they had a finisher who rode on a single speed. Nice. So that was pretty cool. Well, yeah. What was their time? How many days? Uh, I believe a British guy who arrived um, actually just before me, a day before me. So I think 13 days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought 14 days. You did, how, what was it, 14 days and three hours? Correct. That's crazy, man. <laughs> That's crazy. I I mean, I really didn't expect to, to be out for that long. Um, but, yeah, things change all the time out there. And uh, I, I got sick. A lot of people got sick. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that, that um, you know, in the beginning, I was uh, doing fairly well. I think I had about a 36-hour lead time on each checkpoint before they, they closed. Okay. Um, so I guess in the first week, I had some pretty good uh, good days. But, yeah, I got sick after the halfway point, and um, that led me to two small days, 40 kilometers and 60 kilometers. And um, the last section was brutal. Um, so yeah it it turned into a full yeah 14 days three hours every every minute yeah yeah that's awesome so um let's rewind a little bit and why don't you just tell me about yourself tell me um like when you started cycling and i noticed you do like spartan races as well yeah that's bad yeah, that's do. badass man that must be <laughs> that must be great training for bike packing oh it's definitely good training um I mean, I, I definitely don't come from any uh, racing background. Um, definitely a passionate cyclist. I cycle all year round. Um, love doing long distance. Uh, that really sort of came about in 2014. Uh, I crossed, uh, I did Montreal to Vancouver. Oh, wow, nice. Um, late October to November. Uh, I actually did that on a uh, cargo bike. Oh, I saw uh, those true. pictures. That looks yeah. that one looks kind of fun, actually. <laughs> it actually worked out really well. Uh, I just had one, uh, you know, sixty liter duffel bag in the front, all my gear in one bag. Very simple. Um, That's awesome. No, no mechanical issues at all, and uh, did that in forty days, and that really gave me a, a taste of, uh, I guess, ultra distance. Um, you know, although it was pretty pretty easy uh, to have access to, you know, food and shelter, but still that was a great introduction. And I, I, since then I've been trying to do more, uh, more small trips, but um, uh, as well, I'm also in working in the bike industry. I uh, manage and partly own a bike shop in Montreal called Allo Velo. And that's been going on for about seven years now. Good for you, man. That's fantastic. uh, Yeah. Thank you. Um, so pretty much been in the bike world for, for a good while. Uh, yes, you brought up the Spartan races. So I guess that, you know, I, I do enjoy the, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, those obstacle races and sort of torturing yourself a little bit and, uh, but really, you know, pushing yourself uh, as much as you can. And I, I've done, oh, I've done more than 20 of those. Oh, and, nice. And even, even followed it across Canada. And did one in BC and okay. uh, Manitoba. So, yeah. And then um, uh, last year, I had the opportunity to visit uh, Kyrgyzstan. Um, they had this really unique event called the Nomad Games. And uh, basically, you can imagine like 
sort of like uh, Game of Thrones and uh, it's sort of like the Olymp- it's sort of the Olympics for for nomadic tribes. It's really really cool and very unknown. Uh, so they had big events uh, like um, horse wrestling. Um, <laughs> Wait, horse wrestling? Yeah. So they would oh, uh, two competitors on horses would try to you know grab each other and take and throw each other off the horse. Uh, Sorry, but the first vision I had was wrestling a horse. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious. The, so you're trying to not you're trying to jostle each other off their their ride. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's funny. It, it, it's 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 so crazy. And that's uh, a long way to fall, too, man. Oh yeah, and 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 I mean, this is you know we were I was watching uh, like Mongolia against uh, you know the Turks. Like it was, it was very interesting, and they had eagle hunting, uh, where they sent out the eagle to get a get the prey, I guess. And um, the really, really cool uh, event was called Kok Baru, and uh, basically it's like uh, horse uh, horse polo, but they have to grab a uh, sheep carcass and and throw it in this uh, pit at the other side. Uh, oh, it was so exciting, and for the first time, the Americans had a team. Uh, so that was um, uh, that was a huge excitement for them uh, as well. Man, there's so many cool events around the world yeah. that that are so unknown, like that, like that people yeah. have been doing for thousands and thousands of years, right? Yeah, that's amazing. So, um, when did you kind of get into? athleticism like you look like you're a super athletic guy so did you start like as a kid were you fairly athletic um like when did that kind of come around for you yeah for sure uh, as a kid i mean my parents always uh my, my my two brothers younger brothers and i uh we definitely grew up having the chance to go skiing in the winter uh all the racket sports um uh, so, you know, we were, we were quite, quite active growing up, um, as a, as a teen into going into university, I, I really got into, you know, more fitness, more weight training, um, and cycling was always, um, uh, I did a lot of mountain biking, but, uh, cycling has always been like my main mode of transportation, even as a, as a teen, especially at university. Um, so yeah, always, always active, always moving, um, uh, way back, I got a job in, uh, Germany as a bike tour guide. Um, so that was a, a really fun experience, um, which, you know, introduced me more into the bike world and, and, and the mechanics of cycling. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely um, an active person. So the yeah. first big ride then from um, Montreal to Vancouver, and did that kind of open the door to like, hmm, I think I'm I could be good at these ultra endurance type events. Did that open the door? Uh, it definitely did. Um, uh, you know, I, I was uh, very interested in doing you know sort of my own trips. I. I I guess I, I, I sort of like the uh, the comfort tours, you know, uh, sort of pick a pick a destination and, and get there uh, in you know a decent amount of time. Uh, I did uh, like Vancouver to Seattle, stuff, sort of you know weekend things like that. Um, 
but the 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 competitive aspect um yeah it crossed my mind i didn't really know you know what to search especially being a, an amateur i thought it was you know restricted to the the pros and you needed like a, a rigid training program and possibly a trainer so i i wasn't uh i, I didn't really know where to start um uh, uh looking but i guess when i was in kyrgyzstan uh it just the the, the landscape just blew my mind how beautiful it was and i I met so many people bike touring there and it, it crossed my mind like, oh, this would be such a, a unique place to, to do a, a big bike tour, a big bike race. You know, I wonder, I wonder, you know, if this exists. And, and I was telling someone about that and they're like, yeah, there's the Silk Road mountain race <laughs> and it just, and it just finished. It just happened. And so right away I started looking at it and I just, I was, it just, yeah, I, I, I have to do this. Like, uh, you know, I, this is it. This is what's going to get me into uh, the competitive ultra ultra endurance racing. So I'm actually looking at your, your Instagram right now. And um, so you're, you're, you're pretty well traveled. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, being, being in the bike industry in, in, in Montreal, you have the winters off. Right. <laughs> so that gives me the time to, to uh, travel. Yeah. So, so where, how, where are the, some of the places you've been? Oh, um, yeah, you know, I've, I've definitely done a lot of Europe, um, uh, uh, East Africa, uh, West Africa, um, a lot of Asia, Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand. Um, lately, I've been really curious about the stands in Central Asia. Um, so. Kyrgyzstan twice now. I, I went, I, I crossed the border, went into Kazakhstan briefly. Um, this past winter, 2018, uh, I went to Azerbaijan. Um, very, very interesting part of the world. Uh, Armenia, Georgia, the Baltics. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, been really lucky, been able to, to get out and uh, visit all these places. What's the biggest draw for travel for you? Um, just uh, it just uh, it changes my perspective on things. It uh, teaches me new things. Uh, you know, I am a curious individual to begin with. Um, so uh, I find travel um, going to different places just keeps me on my toes and it exposes me to so much. And and that's why I I, I do tend to go to a lot of, um, I guess, off the beaten low, uh, destinations. Um, I mean, e even though it's winter here, I might choose a winter destination uh, equally. Um, just, just because it's, it's somewhere maybe no one really thinks of as, as a destination for the winter. Um, so, you know, for example, I, I went to Ukraine, uh, one winter and, um, uh, this winter, I'm planning maybe to go to Armenia. Um, so, yeah, just uh, curiosity and exposing myself. Yeah, that leads to a good life, man. Curiosity, right? Yeah. How long do you usually uh, take off for? Uh, in the past, uh, I guess I've I've been able to do some pretty extended trips, maybe one month, one and a half months, two. Awesome. Uh, 
um, but uh, yeah, now in the recent years, maybe a couple weeks at most. Um, You're a busy uh, bu- business owner now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely getting busy, and uh, yeah, of course, you know, even though the shop uh, it's sort of like low season, I'm I got a lot of projects on the side and things I'm working on, and now more than ever, I'm. I'm I'm uh, interested in trying other races. Oh yeah. Um, so kind of seeing what what I can do and if uh, maybe I should use the tr- time to to train now in the winter. Yeah. Um, is biking a focus when you travel? Do you, do you try to cycle in all the countries that you go to? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, do you bring sure. a bike or you just go find a beater or something when you're there? Yeah, so it depends where where I go. Um, definitely, if if renting a bike is is, is possible, I, I would definitely do that. It's the best way to yeah. visit a city. Uh, it's uh, just you have no choice but to see everything. And you know, if you're curious, maybe you'll you'll turn down uh, this lane and see what's happening. And it's uh, it's really the best way to explore. And you know, I when i was working in germany as a bike tour guide uh of course you know my instinct is is to, to get on a bike uh um to tour around the city but uh yeah lately um i've brought my bike to some some interesting destinations uh i think two winters ago i brought my single speed to ethiopia amazing uh which was an epic time um I had so much fun uh, uh, riding in the capital, uh, Addis Ababa. It's it's so hectic, so crazy. <laughs> um, but you know they don't have uh, like the um, the infrastructure for cycling, of course, mm. and the they don't have the the, the traffic lights either. <laughs> somehow the, the traffic flows. It just it works. And we're dummies. If- we're dummies in North America. <laughs> we, we, it's so strange because you go to these other yeah. countries and you hear about it all the time. Yeah. It's just like they just have the flow state of traffic. They just seem to be able yeah. to figure it out. It's crazy. Oh yeah, and and of course you know they're honking, but it's it's just they're communicating. Really. Yeah, it's like I'm over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, uh, I, I had my, my my GoPro on my bike and. I just remember like point, picking a, a spot on the map in the city and like, okay, I'm going to go there. And uh, you, you have to be a little bit fearless and really comfortable with, with traffic. And, um, but riding in that traffic, you, you do need to get, be a little bit more fearless because mm. it works. It really works. And I had so much fun just, just flowing with the traffic Um you know, I had no close calls or anything. It just, it was just so fluid. And I must have, I don't know. I, I'm probably, I was probably like the only like Asian uh, <laughs> looking guy uh, riding a bike, you know, and, and, and people were like high-fiving me while I was riding, uh, cheering me on. Oh, um, awesome. One person at an intersection stopped me and said he saw me the other day uh it was uh oh it was such a good time it, it really was yeah. it's so funny to, i mean not not comparable to to ethiopia by any stretch but i, I used to live in vancouver and yeah. i used to love riding through the city to, to get to some place to ride it's it, you have to be fearless and you have to you have to be super assertive you know yeah. like yes. you have to dr- yes. you have to ride through 
the gnarliness yep. and and then i think people are more um receptive to that i think than if yeah. at least they know what you're doing yeah you know? rather than if you're hesitant and you're like oh i yes. don't know and then yeah you have to give her man yeah yeah definitely uh yeah drivers can sense the the the, the hesitantness which i very much understand um and i'm not even talking about riding dangerously either or recklessly no 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 yeah with with, with confidence and you yeah. you understand the flow so yeah 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 it makes uh yeah and no one no one wants to hit you so i mean the the more they can see of you right the better so if yeah. you're out there you put putting yourself out there yeah. so so obviously um having been to kurzakstan Kyrgy- before yeah. um the logistics were probably easy for you to figure out to get back yes. So that must have been kind of a confidence boost as well, because it's just like, oh, I'm go- I've been, I've been there before. Like, no worries, yeah. right? So, so yeah. tell, tell me about the, the, the months or uh, weeks leading up to that race. How did you spend your time getting ready for that? You know, I, I, I told myself uh, getting to the race was going to be just as much as a challenge. Uh, as soon as I signed up last December, I had my game plan. I spent a good month like laying down uh, step by step, month by month, you know, by, by May, I, I would have 90% of my gear by uh, June. I've, I would have done, you know, a good hundred K ride each week. That never happened. <laughs> it, it never happened. Uh, you know, it was tough. It was really tough, especially being in the bike business. It was a really uh, tough time. Um, preparing for the race uh definitely had moments where i thought i was gonna scratch uh before even getting to kyrgyzstan uh so it was definitely a challenge and i know i'm not the only one i heard a lot of stories from other fellow racers uh everyone had their their challenges it wasn't always a a smooth ride to the race although some people actually got to spend most of the summer months in kyrgyzstan already preparing so so uh, good for them. Yeah. But um, yeah. <laughs> what's your, um, what's the, like the base elevation around that? Like, do you have to acclimatize to the elevation? Oh, for sure. I mean, the capital Bishkek is about 900 meters. So not, not that bad, but not too bad. Um, the, the, you know, the majority of the country, I think about 80% of the country is over 2000 meters. Mm. And, um, so very, very mountainous. Um, so definitely, uh, well for the race, we were usually over 2000, 2500 meters. Uh, most of the time, the lowest point for us was, uh, after Bishkek would have, would have been, um, near the lake at about 1600 meters. So yes, it's very much recommended to go there at least a week ahead of time and find a way to acclimatize, um, which, which I got to do. I, I ended up going about 10 days uh, before the race, and I did the first climb, which was Pigetti Pass at about 3,800 meters. Oh, there's a little climb before that, right? Like a, a smaller one? I'm looking at the elevation profile and kind of cheating. Yeah. Um, that's steep. Yeah. <laughs> What's the gradient? What's the grade of that? Do you, do you know the percentage? Oh, I, uh, anyway, off the top of my looks head. looks gnarly and it looks super sustained for like, what, 50K of just like. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as you leave the city, it's, it's all climbing. 
Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Um, a, uh, a friend of mine, Sarah Hewitt, she's a, a PhD at Mount Royal, and they were up in some elevation doing studies on on just the effect, the long-term effect of being at elevation uh, and how it affects the body. Did, did you find, I mean, you, you are kind of, you know, going into those elevations and then descending out. Did you, did you have any issues with that? Like headaches or dehydration? Or... Yeah. Um, surprisingly, no, uh, I didn't have any issues with the altitude. Uh, even when I did go to acclimatize and I did do the first pass, um, no issues at all. Um, so yeah, I guess I was lucky because there, there were definitely, um, some riders that were affected immediately Oh yeah, and got, oh yeah. And got very sick. Um, I remember one person just calling it quits that first day. Um, and maybe some people pulled through, um, cause I mean, if you make it over, you're going to go down the 500,000 meters, which will give you a chance to recover. And uh, hopefully at that point, you'll, you'll be able to acclimatize. Um, so I was, I was lucky in that sense. Yeah. Mon- Montreal, you're roughly sea level, right? It's roughly sea yeah. level, not too much higher. Yeah. A few meters. Up. No. <clears throat> so you said you were collecting gear. So did you, did you not have a bike packing rig at the time? You were just kind of piecing one together before? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I, I never really actually owned, um, you know, that type of bike, uh, gravel bike or what have you, uh, you know, like I mentioned, my, my, my first big ride across Canada, I, I ended up using a cargo bike. <laughs> so this was really my, my first time, um, choosing a bike for this purpose. Um, so there was a lot of studying online reviews and, you know, on the Silk Road forum talk, you know, seeing what other people are talking about and, uh, um, so it led me to uh, the bomb track uh, EXT uh, steel frame, which I was pretty pleased about. Yeah, probably a good call. I think steel's a good way to go, just in general. I think. Yeah, I'm a bit of a steel fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, uh, you know, you the idea is you want to just keep everything on your side and, and reduce risk, I guess. So steel is a safe bet for sure. Um, some of the other, uh, debates were, you know, if you get uh, front suspension, mm-hmm. um, you know, size tires, drop bars, wide bars, um, things like that. Uh, uh, clipless. That was one big one, big topic. I ended it's up getting uh, flats. mountain bike flats. Yeah. yeah. Which I, uh, I'm very happy. I, I went with, I do not regret that at all. Um, cause there was a lot of dismounting and mounting hike a bike and, um, having good hiking shoes, uh, really helped me out. And it sucks yeah. when your feet hurt. It sucks oh. so much. Oh, everybody. Uh, the Achilles was a huge issue for yeah. a lot of people. But I would imagine the the way a hiking shoe is set up. I, I also generally, well, I fat bike in flats, but I, I bike pack in flats as well. I, I was running clipless for a while, but then uh, I really started focusing on my interfaces, you know, hands, butt, feet. And uh, I just did a little 120K shakedown with flats one day. And I was just like, this is it. Cause it's, and I didn't even, it was on a route. I didn't even have to walk. And I was like, this is it because it's so comfy. You can kind of float your feet around. You can move your foot a fore and aft, 
So if your Achilles start to bark, you can easily just kind of move your foot around. I didn't really find much mechanical disadvantage to running flats, to be honest. No. no. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it single speed. I'd rather be connected to, to ride single speed. I think you need that that extra maybe 15% power you get out of being attached. Yeah. But yeah. No, and you went rigid as well, right? Uh, I did. Any regrets um, about that on that route? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> those endless washboards. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I guess it would have helped, uh, especially on the descents. Um, quite a few times when I was uh, on some steep switchbacks, uh, a couple other riders would pass me quite smoothly and, mm. and they had uh, front suspension, whereas I was just, just, hitting every bump every stone and it just really slowed me down but also had me on the brakes a lot just because I, I you know i just really had to navigate all the rocks and bumps um but yeah i don't know uh, I, I saw a lot of those um those ralph forts mm, yeah yeah saw saw quite a few of them um there's not a lot of travel on those, but uh, the people who did have them said it made a difference, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty popular. But, I see them more and more. I see them more often on, on bike pack or gravel rigs. I think it just yeah. takes away a lot of that that kind of high frequency, kind of small. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's it's a super big hit fork. I'd be afraid to do big hits on that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I've never ridden one, but uh i i'm just leery about that setup like just like screaming down a mountain and like yeah. hit, hitting hitting a drainage ditch with a lauf i just oh my god i just figured i'd <laughs> share it right off the head too right it's yeah. kind of scary so you get you but, get you get yourself there and uh sorry what were you gonna say you were gonna say something oh, i was just gonna just uh quick quick you know back on the on the suspension the front suspension um again you know trying to reduce risk uh i encountered two riders who ended up bottoming out and uh, they were going around looking for a shock pump. All right. um, and I, I never saw them at the finish line. So I don't know if that was it for them. Yeah. It's a reliability question, right? And I, I you know, I, I, the races, the only couple of races I've done that ha have had suspension. It's been an air fork as well. And I've kind yeah. of opted out of bringing the pump. Yeah. And, uh, because I do a lot of trail riding and it's like, wow, they're super reliable. I've never had any trouble other than in super cold weather with the fork that I run. But, um, yeah, it's just a question of reliability for me. Cause that would suck if you bottomed out your fork and you couldn't get it back up, you know, you blew the air, air cylinder out or something. It's yeah. You're kind of done. Well, um, you, yeah. or you're walking out or so uncomfortable to ride that bike out. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a nice looking rig. Uh, would you, uh, it doesn't look like you carry it a lot. I mean, so is that kind of your first big bike packing race? I mean, you've toured. Yeah. Um, pretty skinny setup, but yeah. would you, would you, could you whittle it down some more? Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely my, my first real experience with that, that type of setup. Um, it, it, it looks like nothing, but it, it was, it added up. It, it definitely added up. I mean, I was, I, I packed pretty, Safely, I guess, mm. you know, with extra food, um, a few extra resources. Um, 
what could I do differently? I think maybe a day pack would have helped. I mean, like I had a camelback, but it was just the bladder. I think I could have benefited from a little bit of a bigger pack that I could stuff, you know, uh, quick items like a rain jacket or, um, some, some small food that I would pick up at a, a little, little canteen. Um, but all in all, I, I, I pretty maxed out with that, that, pretty much maxed out with that setup. Um, it was, there, it was packed. Yeah. So leading up to the race, um, you're, you said there's, there's some times you weren't feeling that confident. Is that because you didn't think mm. you were getting the miles in pretty much? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess, you know, everybody, everybody must, must have felt something similar. Um, definitely, definitely near the halfway point. I was really starting, you know, my mind's really, you know, you're getting tired. You're, you're, you're starting to get exhausted. Um, the loneliness sets in yeah. uh, the long days, you know, take a toll on you. And yeah, you, you definitely, uh, um, start, you know, feeling it. And, and, uh, I definitely lost a lot of confidence, uh, a lot of, I guess that, that mental strength, um, especially when I got to Marin, uh, that's sort of the halfway point, one of the, the only bigger towns and they nicknamed that the, uh, uh, a scratch city i was just gonna scratch something i'm sure they called yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, it's it's true uh it's it's very easy to get comfortable there uh you get yourself a nice um guest house <laughs> with yeah. wi-fi and uh you know of course there's a little bit more western type food available so you get comfortable and um I, you know, I met a couple of people that did decide to call it quits there. And that's sort of, you know, when I hear that, it it's, it's sort of gets me thinking. And uh, yeah, it was definitely tough. I, I, I did call home and, uh, you know, express how, how, oh, you know, maybe this is not for me. Um, you know, you know, I've done enough. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm more into the comfort tour. You know, I can spend the rest exploring Kyrgyzstan a little bit more by bike and, you know, and, uh, doing my thing. And so it was very easy to get into that, that mindset. It's, it's comforting almost. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, my, my, my dad and, uh, my girlfriend, uh, just, you know, really reminded me that this is why I was there. There, there was no other reason you know, for me to be there, but to do this race, this is what I've been preparing for all year. Um, and I have to continue. Um, so yeah, the, you know, the next day I reluctantly, you know, left Naren very late around 4 PM and, uh, you know, just told myself, okay, you know, at least leave Naren and uh, get out till sunset and, and, and see where you end up. Unfortunately, that towards the, towards the end of that day is when I started feeling sick. Oh, no. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, did you get an intestinal thing or? Yeah. So uh, the other thing about Naren is, you know, when you're out in, in, in the field, you're, you're very cautious about your food and, and you know, drinking and eating. 
but uh, there's something about coming to this town where, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to order this large pizza, mm. you know, no problem. And uh, yeah, obviously, well, I got sick from that pizza. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, let's rewind again. We're kind of going back and forth. It's okay. I like it. Yeah, no problem. Um, but so, so by contrast, how are you feeling on day one? So, so you're standing at the Grand Depart. And uh, mm. I'm sure there's some, you know, chitter chatter going on. And there's, I'm sure the group that's organizing it has stood up and said a few words. How are you feeling at the start? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I was, uh, mind, the mind's going a mile a minute and I'm, you know, I'm uh, assessing myself. Uh, you know, did I bring everything I needed? Uh, you know, uh, this is it. And, uh, you know, on my way to the start, uh, I see some of the, some of the, I guess the the more known names in in that world. You know, Leo Wilcox. Mm. She was uh, on her way there with uh, a couple other guys, and uh, I'm like, oh, you know, I felt like the underdog. Um, so yeah, nerves, nerves are uh, are going, and um, but I met a couple people uh, from the race uh, when I was going up Kigeti, uh to acclimatize. So. It was cool to see some couple familiar faces, and there was also the racer uh, start dinner uh, the evening before, so that was a, a chance to meet some people. Um, but it was it was nice. It was uh, yeah, yeah, you know, friendly. Like not, I wouldn't say uh, not a competitive uh, environment. I didn't feel that. I just felt like everyone was there, and we're we're doing something pretty unique, pretty special mm -hmm. second edition of this, uh, Silk Road mountain race. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, I'm not the only first timer. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was okay. And as, and the race, it, it started quite fast and yeah, next thing, you know, I'm pedaling away. Uh, and I, I had already done that track. So at least that was familiar. The start was familiar for me. Um, so I kind of knew how, how much I could push as well. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, tell me, <clears throat> what did day one look like? How many, uh, how long did you stay on the bike the first day? Yeah. So yeah, day one, uh, my strategy was definitely to get over the first mountain pass, Kegeti pass on the first day, which, uh, was a bit of a challenge because when I did do it to acclimatize, I took two days to get over that pass. So, you know, I kept telling myself, well, what, what you did in two days, Lamar, you got to do it in one day now. <laughs> so, so I really pushed it. I really, uh, had to push that. And, um, we were struck with rain by uh, midday. So that was unpleasant uh some heavy rain and by the time we got to the foot of the mountain uh the weather i mean the temperature is starting to drop now we're just uh hitting over 2000 meters um uh and then at about 2500 meters you start seeing a couple people setting up camp we're getting close to the end of the day and uh, near the 3,000 meter mark, uh, we got snow. So that was uh, fun, I guess. 
Yeah, uh, first day um, getting hit with uh, some pretty intense weather. Um, yeah, it was a challenge. Uh, it was. Uh, it definitely got cold. Uh, I made it to the top at 9 p.m. <laughs> uh, I was really hoping to get there a lot sooner, but um, yeah, that's that's what happened. 9 p.m. and I made it down the other side at around uh, 10, 10.30 p.m. Uh, into the valley. And that's where I set up camp for the first night. Um, so I, I did make it over the first night. And that really, uh, that was a good thing. It, 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 set you, it set you apart. There was definitely the, the lead group that got over the, the, uh, the peak quite early in the day. And then there was sort of my, my group that, that made it that day over which gave us, you know, a pretty good lead and good timing for the next, for the first checkpoint. Yeah. It's good to get those big obstacles out of the way. So yeah. that was like a 280 kilometer day ish looking at the map. Um, oh no, no, no. Um, like 140. Oh, I see you were down just off the peak there. Yeah. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. <clears throat> but still that's like, yeah, like 2,800 meters of climbing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's 140, but of climbing. Yeah. And do you do you bivy or do you have a shelter like a tent? Or... Yeah. So that was a big discussion on the forum. Yeah. Of course. Um, but I went with a tent, and uh, it was a good decision. I ended up founding a really uh, nice tent from a uh, the brand is called Nordisk. It's I believe a Danish brand or Norwegian one of one of the Scandinavian countries. Uh, so the Lofal 10 one, one person tent, super packable, like tiny bottle of water. Nice. Once it's packed up, super lightweight, um, gives you all the shelter you need, a little vestibule. Um, you can sort of sit up a little bit. So, uh, you know, if you were wet, you at least had room to change on the inside. Uh, so really, really happy about that tent. And uh, the only reason I, I was able to get it was I was in Denmark because you can't you can't order it and, and have it shipped to Canada. Um, so that was a really good find. Um, really happy about that um, versus a, a Bivy. So which yeah. model was it? Uh, Lofo 10. Lofo 10. Lofo 10. Oh, yeah. Lofo 10. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, nice, nice looking rig. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Throat. Yes. Nice having the computer here. I can check out all the stuff you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool yeah. unit for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the thing. I've, I'm, I'm kind of a tarp guy and I've been using a tarp for quite a while when I race the races around here, not nothing like high elevation like that, but I, I haven't needed a shelter. I just kind of bivy out. Okay. But uh, wow. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it'd be nice just to have a, a super lightweight one-person yeah. tent. And it's just a bit yeah. easier to put up. You just, like, throw it up and get in there. Yeah. But, hmm, yeah, it's good. It's good info. I'll have to put that on the Bike Pack Canada site. It's like maybe people can go and check that out. Yeah, for awesome. sure. I would. I definitely recommend it. But, uh, yeah, tarp. Tarp? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely read up on that. I mean, that's that's a little bit. Uh, next level for me, 
That's for sure. I think I chose it more from a multi-use standpoint. I was in the same boat as you, right? I'm, you know, okay. shopping for gear, right? And it's like, oh, what should I do? Yeah. And reading the forums and tent and tarp and, yeah. you know, hooped bivy and all this stuff. And I went with a tarp yeah. because I thought it was so multi-use. Like, you can make a backpack out of a tarp. You can yeah. har- you can harvest water with a tarp. You can, you know, if you get caught in a crazy storm, you can just like pull it out and just burrito up in it, right? And just yeah, as a okay. shelter, but they're a pain in the ass to set up. Like if you're not in the right spot or if you can't get spike, right. it can be a pain you're using rocks to tie it down and you might have to pitch off your mm. bike or, you know, it, it's all doable. But I think if you're in a hurry, yeah. like probably some of the pros, like they probably just took a bivy. I, I would imagine they just took a body bag and slept in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would certainly consider those options if I had a little bit more experience beforehand, you know, I, I, I guess I needed, you know, something I could easily put together and not really have to worry about where I was setting up. Yeah. for you know? And that's a self-standing, is that a self-standing tent? Will it stand on its own? Uh, no, you, have to, you, you have still have, to, yeah, tent. you still have to peg it in. Got yeah. it out. Yeah. It's a nice looking yeah. tent. So happy with that. Um, so so as the days went on how are you feeling like you know what kind of mileage were you or distance were you averaging every day Uh, i think in general it 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 came out to about 130 uh yeah i had those two slower days smaller days when i wasn't feeling good uh and then i had a one insane day uh which is a is a a day I, or a section of the race that I just keep telling everyone because I, I just can't even believe I, I, I did it. But it was 17 hours and uh, that was 220 kilometers awesome. uh, to checkpoint two. Um, so that was my biggest day. But yeah, in general, it was always about 130 or so uh, kilometers, which uh, for me was a lot. I, you know, I, you know, I, I of course I had certain strategies i you know wanted to bike out super late and wake up you know before sunrise but in the moment it it was a little bit tough for me at times to to get up yeah your plans always have to be loose i think right it's like i'd really like to get there but you know depending on how you feel or yeah i mean you know in the beginning uh i i really really wanted to somewhat place, you know, within the top 20 or so. And I really gave it, gave it my all, but yeah, it sort of, you know, I sort of had to change and adapt to how I was feeling and it was, it was really about finishing it, you know? Um, So yeah, I I had to be a little bit more flexible with uh, my days and really listen to how I felt. Uh, that was really important Um, uh, because yeah of of course you know you could push on every night and do three hours uh, (laughs) like some of the 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 top 10 you know they were doing three hours a night and and really stuck to that schedule Um, but uh, I mean yeah it's a it's a that was a different level uh, than where I was at I guess Um, so I just sort of had to find what made sense for me but would still allow me to finish of course um yeah yeah no that's awesome um so you're 
racing through what, what were some of the highlights like leading up to to the phone call where you had to make that that mid-race phone call um mm. what, what, did you find that was it just a series of up and ups and downs or did you were you on a slide were you were you kind of stuck in that negative mental space the whole time uh yeah i mean speaking for myself i think it was like a, a progress like a slow decline sort of um you know uh yeah it, it was a race at the end you know in the end of the day so you as much as i wanted to sort of uh take in and enjoy uh the landscape and the scenery uh you know you still had to continue on your bike and um so it was uh day by day i guess was it was it was sort of hard i i did struggle uh to find some some enjoyment um which you know uh can be draining um so yeah leading up to the phone call definitely sort of on a steady decline mentally uh and also um you know i i i did feel a little bit like an outsider to this type of world um so coming into the checkpoints when uh, i would meet all the other riders and some of these riders are, you know, got huge smiles on and, <laughs> and, and loving the moment yeah. or, or, you know, commenting on like, oh, man, uh, the, the river crossing, that was awesome, loved it. <laughs> and uh, whereas in my mind, I was like, man, I hated the river crossing or like I, I hated being chased by those dogs, uh, you know, and, and it was hard. I was comparing myself and, and of course, that, that brings you down. Um, so I, I, I did feel like an outsider and, and, uh, like, you know, why, why can't I find some enjoyment? These people are smiling. Um, so yeah, steady decline. Uh, but you know, for the rest of the race, I guess, um, as, as tired as I was and as much of a struggle it was to, to, to keep going, keep pedaling, get those kilometers in, uh, it was important to, listen to myself how i felt and and find little things <laughs> i know it sounds a little uh pathetic but yeah little little things like uh you know the the weather's on my side today you know that that's a good thing like keep you know keep pedaling you don't have to worry about rain or or uh you know you got a you got a good uh i don't know indian curry meal coming up tonight <laughs> uh look forward to that or or another town is coming up tonight or a checkpoint is coming up tonight like keep pushing um and often uh when we would pass through these little uh these hamlets or villages um it was really nice because sorry um kids uh all the kids would run up to the side of the road run up to the trail and 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 wait and and wave and say hello hello run with you while you biked um some of them were you know waiting at the top of the hill for me as i'm slowly making my way up just to come out and say hello and uh wow that uh that put a smile on my face nice. for sure and uh and and kept me going and, and and i have some some really nice footage on my my camera uh video footage of you know me passing through and some of the kids were like pretending to, to to make a barrier you know they're all like holding their arms together and 
making a barrier across the street and you know i pretend like i was forcing <laughs> and, and riding fast and i was going to go right into them but you know slowly and going ah. nice. and uh at the last second they would you know open their arms and yeah those were those were some highlights for sure yeah, yeah i don't think what you're saying before is uh you know, you said it, it might sound pathetic, but just looking for the little things, I think that's, that's yeah. not pathetic. That's nailing <laughs> it right on the head. I think that that, uh, that, that's where uh, I think really advanced athletes stand out or really experienced mm -hmm. athletes stand out in this sport is that I think they can find those little things, like mm -hmm. all those little celebrations, right? Like, yep. you know, to summit, you know, just this summit or that checkpoint or the smiling faces of the people. Cause really to those kids, you're a superhero. doesn't matter if you did it in a week or 10 days or sorry, if you did it in three days or two days or, or, yeah. or a month, you're still a superhero yeah. to them. And they're so jazzed to see people out there doing that. Oh yeah. So I, I think that's probably one of the things bike packers, what we learn is when we go out and we do our first event, I don't think it, yeah. I don't, I imagine it's hard, probably really hard for everyone and everyone's scared and everyone's like, no, people aren't used to pushing their limits like that. I think, yeah. I think that's what's so addictive about this activity is, yeah. you know, one, just let alone just traveling to another country to do it, but just doing something yeah. even local, but you know, you're going to be out in the woods for, for five days by yourself and you're going to be riding as many hours as you can possibly get in and pushing those limits. Yeah. Yeah, it's a place. It's a place we don't go very often, and and when we go there, then we learn. We learn how to. Oh yeah. Shut the ego up. Shut down oh, that yeah. that stupid person in our head that's saying you can't. What are you doing? You can't do this. And you're like, shut up, man! I can totally do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. for sure, it's uh, definitely a learning experience, and it's it's valuable. It's something you bring back, and uh, whether you realize it or not, it. it uh, you know, it, it will help you uh, in day to day, day to day challenges, uh, you know, here back at home even. So yeah, it's definitely a, a valuable experience. And, and uh, just, yeah, reminding myself how freaking lucky I am to 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 be there, mm -hmm. you know, in that moment. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's not, uh, it's for sure not a uh, cheap thing to do. No, uh, it's, 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 yeah, it requires a lot of resources, a lot of time. Um, so yeah, reminding myself where I was also helped. Um, and, uh, I guess going to that, that aspect of, of comparing myself and feeling like an outsider. The one thing that race really taught me as well is that, um, man, you just never know, uh, like you would think this person is, is, is pro and they're, they're so much faster than me. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're having no issues. That's not the case at all. Uh, I can, I can recount so many faces where I thought, okay, that guy's two days ahead of me You know, I'll never see him again. And then boom, one day I'm like, I catch up and I'm like, Whoa. And, and they tell me, yeah, I took a wrong turn and I ended up, you know, <laughs> wasting half the day and had to backtrack or or for example one of you know one of these riders that was like loving life at the checkpoint uh, two days later uh, i found I, I passed by and the person's just laying on the grass and tells me that's it they're scratching and i just 
I couldn't believe it. In my mind, I'm like, wow, two days ago, you were laughing, you were loving it. Like, and, and now this is it. And then the, they tell me, yeah, the last two days, I've just been hating every moment of it. Oh, no. And, and it's really, um, uh, or, or yeah, I just have, I just can recount so many, uh, interactions like that where I would think, you know, someone is okay. They're good or no problems. No, not the case. That race, it, anything, everything will happen to anybody. It doesn't matter. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's so great about these events too, is, um, is, is exactly that. It's like everyone's experience is so different, yeah. um, leading up to it. Everyone's experience is so different in it. Like I've been in, I've been in races where, where I've been behind and the people up front were like, holy crap, man, did we ever get stuck in the rain and the mud mm. and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh man, I, was ser- I had the sun on my back. Yeah. Like almost the whole time. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, so it's, you know, when you're, when you're traversing such a vast landscape and yeah. mountains and valleys and it's like, and, and, you know, a person could be just six hours ahead of you, but they're, they could be in a friggin' lightning storm and you're basking in the sun in the valley having, oh. having shitty pizza. Oh, so true. <laughs> oh, right? so true. It's, oh my God. Yeah. 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 So everyone's experience is so different. And then the way that, that experience dice rolls yeah a winner will come out of that like on the last tour divide too right timing weather experience it all came into play and it was the people that that either beat the weather or had a bit more experience you know those are the people that kind of push through right yeah and it's um that's what i love about it and then when you get back and you're talking to people about your stories oh when i hit checkpoint blah and it was like this and like oh man when i was there it was totally not like that and and everyone has yeah. every everyone's story is completely different it, for yeah. 150 different stories right for for the same checkpoint it's just it's so a wonderful true. experience and yeah. Uh, yeah the vibe the whole group vibe of these races is so fun i think that's what i yeah, pull out yeah. of it you know i've like again i i've only done a couple and and uh i haven't had i don't think i've really really been tested like really tested with like shitty weather or a horrible mechanical like i'm really i'm super mm. anal about my my bikes and yeah. i do all my own maintenance so i know when i go into a, an event yeah. and you you can attest to that too as a, as a bike shop owner it's sure. just like no man this bike's going to be pimped when i go yeah. out there like <laughs> new rubber new drivetrain yeah. new bearings right and you just try yeah. to yeah. you try to mitigate any type of problem you're going to have um, yeah so i haven't really been fully tested like that yet and it's going to happen because I'm going to keep doing these. And I know one day I'm yeah. going to just get destroyed <laughs> and I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's part of it. So yeah, it'll happen. Yeah. So the last half yeah. feeling a bit better, kind of re-energizing, you know, you found a different mental place. And then, so uh, at what point were you like, holy shit, I'm going to finish this thing. Like at what, <laughs> at what point were you just uh, elated? Oof. Probably only on the the day before, <laughs> yeah. Because the last section after check CP three uh, was really like the hardest and longest. It was over five hundred kilometers, uh, and that was the, the the section where we would go around to the north side of the lake, Lake uh, Isikul. Yep. Um, 
and they had the famous uh the famous uh pass that they had in the first edition uh shamsi pass which was a horse trail back uh, horse track oh i think i saw that one of those pictures on your instagram it looks so steep yeah yeah that that yeah and then they yeah oh and uh they so that 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 was back in the second edition as well as the the hills after it they 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 got the name peanut butter hills because i think in the yeah the first edition a lot of riders hit it on a rainy day and Uh it was just super sticky super muddy uh i didn't get hit with rain but those weren't hills those were chains of mountains i don't know where they got the idea of hills but uh those took forever yeah oh my god um yeah that whole section was just <laughs> demoralizing yeah. once again oh uh so i imagine I off, up, off uh, the bike and yeah. walking a lot i imagine oh and yes and and, and carrying the bike mm. uh wow. and and after uh after the pass uh at least a good dozen rivers um wow yeah so it was just it was just at a point where okay, I'm going to waste too much time, you know, removing my shoes or, or, or trying to find a, a, a dry cross. You, you just crossed, get your feet wet. Like it's going to take all day if you do this. So yeah, those were long days, long, long days. And that's when the time um, was really starting to factor in where I really started thinking, okay, I got two days left now and I have over 200 kilometers like i gotta i gotta get moving now you know that like not finishing can actually happen mm-hmm. so yeah it got, it got pretty tense um for me it got a little tense uh with the timing um uh and, and at that point i think i think we were like the last 10 riders out there now um so yeah, only on the last peak, I, f- I forgot the name uh, of the last ascent, but it was an old trading route uh, that um, hadn't been maintained, I think, for about 20 years. Um, so completely obliterated, rock slide, landslides. But um, I really pushed I really pushed that day before to make sure I got to the foot of that mountain uh, in order to get over it and finish the next day. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, it was it was pretty hectic with the timing. I was really pushing myself. And uh, yeah, at that point too, my body was just not like knees, mm. Achilles, everything was just numbing out. And uh, I think I was having some issues with uh, hydration. I was uh, getting uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> a little bit nasty, but uh, my urine was uh, turning black. Oh, yeah, that can't be good. Yep, yep. So that was uh, getting a little bit serious for me at that point, um, especially the next morning when I uh, was descending. Um yeah, I mean, t- like out out there, I I thought I was legit pissing blood, <laughs> and so it was a bit of a panic for me. Um, and I really started pushing it. 
a little bit dangerously now, um, you know, riding down the rocky uh, single tracks, double tracks. Uh, I was going quite fast, uh, a little bit faster than I would have liked, but I was getting pretty concerned with my health. Um, and at one point, uh, there was a media car um, coming up. And I went right up to them and I said, guys, uh, please call the finish line and uh, have a doctor ready. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. And I told them what was happening and because uh, I really I thought I was pissing blood and it, it was not feeling good down there. <laughs> not many people know about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're yeah. sharing it with uh, quite, am, a, quite no. a few, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that um, th- that was from? So by then, were you kind of uh, had you ever recovered from the intestinal problems you had, or was that just kind of exacerbating that? Well, so the the intestinal uh, stuff wore off, mm. uh, you know, after that second day uh, back then. Um, <clears throat> so since then, I had no issues stomach wise and with food. Um, was definitely a lot more cautious. Um, but I was also drinking a lot of like Fanta and, and oh, Coca-Cola. Yeah. So, I mean, that wasn't great either. And probably just uh, pissing was, high fructose corn syrup is what you're peeing out. Probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, they ended up calling uh, the finish line and, 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 uh, and they're like, uh, so, you know, they asked me, do you want, do you want them to come out and get you? Mm. And, and, and what did that mean? That, that means pressing the SOS button essentially, which would mean yeah. scratching. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I can't scratch now. And how far were you from the finish at this point? I was about 30 K. Oh, uh, yeah, you could do it away. You can do it. Exactly. So. It would. It was about an hour and a half, but I told him like I'm. I'm gonna be there in an hour. Right? <laughs> I'm. I'm coming to the finish line. Just make sure they have the doctor. They're like, you sure? You sure? We can come get you. We can come out now. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm gonna be there in an hour. So uh, yeah, I just bolted down, and uh, as soon as I got on the tarmac, oh, I was pushing, and and it was uh, the. T- it was now getting. Uh, a little bit hot, um, but I was still wearing all the clothing from that morning. You know, I was dressed up with, uh, you know, some base layers and uh, <clears throat> a little bit warm. And but uh, I was just like, I got to get to this finish line as fast as possible. And I just, I just remember just pushing so hard. Uh, nothing else mattered at that moment. I, I just had to get there. And, um, there was a, a, a fellow racer actually, uh, was following my dot watcher, my spot watcher and, um, knew where my position was. And he was waiting for me at an intersection and was started riding with me and cheering me on. And, and, and it was such a, it was so, so nice, yeah. such an amazing feeling. But at the same time, I was like, Oh my God, like I got to you know, what's happening, you know, with my body, I'm pissing blood, I got to get to the finish line. And so my arrival at the finish was very quick and brief. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess I didn't really 
get a chance to take in that finishing moment because the doctors were there and they took me right away and started like asking me questions and testing my blood pressure and asking me to you know pee in a cup and, and started hydrating me immediately and uh uh so my finish finishing moment was uh very quick and um yeah <laughs> triumphant nonetheless though like you must have felt, oh yeah must have felt pretty good i mean one you feel fantastic that you're you're being taken care of and two like you did it you know five yeah. days five days before you were going to call it you're going to pull the pen and you call the family and they they talked absolutely to that's awesome uh yes absolutely yeah and it was all the familiar faces were there all the 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 other riders i i, I might have crossed or had a chance to ride with a bit and or uh friends now uh yeah. the german fellow from uh uh his german guy uh, rafael uh remember him telling me he was gonna scratch and and uh ended up he caught up to me and and passed me and so he was there and it was just such an epic moment to, to, to see him there because i know i know he was rooting for me and watching me uh, on the gps and so of course the finishing party was was so amazing everyone's sharing their stories and, and it's just huge relief and mm. couldn't believe it was over but it was really uh quite amazing because Everyone who didn't scratch uh, finished on time. So the last person, an Italian guy, finished 30 minutes before the cutoff time, which was around like 10 p.m., I think. And uh, so he had the, the, the biggest welcoming, you can imagine, because yeah, we no all there, all there waiting for him. So he had a, an epic uh, finish and uh, um, uh, Lael gave a speech as well and that was uh, really nice to hear because <laughs> it was funny because uh, you know she she finished second in I think just under eight days so when you think about it uh, Lael was there for a full week before <laughs> I arrived chilling yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> So that was pretty funny to think about, um, but she 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 made it a point that, you know, if this was your first time doing the Silk Road, uh, you know, we could have chosen any other race to do, and that this race was really diving into the deep end. So she really validated everything we went through, every, you know, uh, 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 drawback every you know hump on the road she just validated everything uh by saying that and it was really nice to hear yeah Lil's an inspirational woman i, I met her at yeah. the bike pack canada summit um a, a couple of years ago the last one and her and rue and what, what a wonderful athlete like just mm. um always smiling right like i don't yeah. think i've ever seen her frown in her face but um congratulations man that's fantastic I've, I've been thinking it the whole time it's like talk about diving in like learning yeah. bikepacking by immersion it's like yeah you've toured and stuff and you've yeah. done the spartan races but there's nothing like doing what you just did so congratulations on that it's a, that's incredible it's an accomplishment well, thank you. yeah yeah thank you so much and uh 
Uh, thank you for letting me share this experience. It's it's something that's going to stick with me for so long, and uh, and yeah, it was really a uh, uh, learning on the job type of thing. Yeah. Like I had to learn fast. I really did. As much as I tried to prepare myself, uh, I really had to learn fast on the road while I was there. So yeah, it was uh, quite the experience, and um, definitely uh, definitely lucky and proud to have been able to do it and uh more than happy to share my experience with anyone who's who's thinking about doing maybe the third edition or or any type of ultra self-supported uh race like that yeah i'm sure people will reach out um we'll, we'll get to where people can find you in a minute but uh but what's next what's next for you <laughs> oh um I well, I definitely want to go back to Kyrgyzstan and do my uh, my comfort tour. Redem oh, you're gonna comfort? I was gonna say redemption tour. Do it in yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, definitely, yeah. Explore a little bit of more Central Asia by bike. Um, race wise, uh, yeah, I thought about the the Atlas Mountain race. Um, the one they're doing in mm -hmm. Morocco, the, the first edition coming up in February, um, there, there, there might be an opportunity or a chance for me to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm still thinking about that. Uh, it's just the timing and winter, uh, it's full on winter here in Montreal. So I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience doing big rides in the winter. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure what the game plan would be. Uh, so anyways, still on the fence about that. Um, not doing the third edition of the Silk Road, <laughs> for sure. The timing of it is just uh, really tough for me being in the bike business. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, by the looks of it, they're, they've definitely made it um, harder. I think it's like 100 kilometers longer, uh, 5,000 more meters of climbing. Oh, and it's... it's yeah, and it starts at night. It's already what, like ninety thousand feet of climbing, like thirty thousand <laughs> meters of climbing. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's and it's going to start at it's going to start at night. So it just means like if you want to do well, you're going to have to ride through that first night, you know. So um, good luck for, for the <laughs> next the next gen of uh, of racers in in the third edition for sure. I'll be watching. Um, but yeah, I'm for sure going to do another race. I just don't know what, um, uh, well, yeah, we'll see. Why don't you think about, um, doing something in North America? Just, it, I know it's probably hard to get away, but you know, um, um, Matthew Katie's BT 700 in Ontario. I yes. think, I think he's going to make it a 1000. So there's that. And yeah. then there's like the, the, um, oh, it's a called, oh dude, I totally gapped it. There's a couple of races going on though. Or come They're... out to come out to BC and hang out with us. Come out and yeah, do, yeah, do like the sure. BC Epic or something. Or, um, oh man, I was just I was just in Vancouver last oh, week yeah? actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, to be honest, I I, I I'm I'm so new in this world, but uh, I I just had no idea. There's there's quite a lot of things happening here in Canada. Yeah. So uh, I I will um, check out what's available, uh, what's going on for sure. Yeah, do it. Yeah. And then you should try to come yeah. out to our uh, our bikepacking bikepack Canada summit in uh, the end of September. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Next year. Yeah. 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 It's a blast yeah. to come out and hang out with a bunch of bike packers. Um, yeah. So- well, yeah. I mean, that's, I was talking to somebody, um, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe you know him through Instagram, but uh, Trevor from Meskit Mag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we actually hosted a little event uh, uh, at the beginning of November about the, my race. Nice. So we, we, we played the films actually, uh, from the race, uh, wild horse. And, uh, so we, 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 um, put that together, but anyways, he's he just telling me how in Europe, they said they have such a tight community for, for bikepacking and events and all that. Whereas in Canada, it seems to be a little bit spread out. I don't know if you, you, you feel the same or, um, I don't know. I think that, I mean, that's, a, that's the point of Bike Pack Canada and the podcast is to try to bring all these people together. Right. So, yeah. you know, I've talked, yeah. I've, I've, I've had conversations with people in the UK actually, and people from the cool. States and, you know, people from Eastern Canada, just trying to connect everybody. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, even though we're spread out, you know, uh, it's, it's still pretty tight. I think, you know, in a cool. way, I think the information sharing is really, really tight. Um, the vibe is so good, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's just like anywhere yeah. else. It's like, you could be a Canadian bike packer and show up in, in Australia and you, you'll, you'll gel with those people. Right. I think it's just, yeah. it's just the, the demographic it seems very, very similar. All, all, mm-hmm. all walks of life, you know, yeah. like from doctors and lawyers to, you know, I'm a shipper receiver to bike shop owners to, it's just yeah. all walks of life. But as soon as you put them all in the same room, it's just bikes, man right yeah it's just it's just good stuff um fantastic thanks for sharing your stories where where can people find you where's the best place people can find you um so um as i mentioned my my facebook's been shut down um, oh uh, yeah i want to what happened (laughs) did you did you ever find out what happened oh uh so just before the race uh facebook uh disabled my account uh, the reason being, uh, I, I violated the rules. Uh, there was some for, for violence and hate speech. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's not, that's not at all what you, you seem know. like a pretty angry, violent, <laughs> hateful yes, guy. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Um, anyways, so, um, uh, have not been able to appeal and get that because they don't, they have no contact number. Um, but there, I've been following the steps to try to, to appeal that decision, but, uh, I keep getting rejections. Um, but I saw somewhere on YouTube that you should keep persisting and, uh, some people have managed to get their accounts back. But anyways, I'm full, full time on, uh, Instagram, of course, at Velo Lifestyle. Um, so that's mainly where you can find me. Um, and then if, if people are interested in uh, reading or, or seeing some of the stats of uh, my Silk Road experience uh, that's available on the journal section of VeloLifestyle.com. Um, so you'll, you'll see everything there. And everyone's um, welcome to reach out to me on Instagram if, if they have questions or, or want some info. I think you sure. should plug your shop too. So do an do an do an ad for your shop right now. Plug it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, uh, I've been uh, running uh, Aloe Velo in Montreal for seven years now. Um, 
if you if you are in Montreal or coming to Montreal, definitely visit us because uh, we are a full service bike shop, but also a cafe, um, full service cafe as well. So very unique destination, very unique space in Griffintown in Montreal. Um, we also specialize mainly in European products. Uh, all our bikes are imported. We got some really awesome brands that that maybe you 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 may not have heard of like rondo uh, bullet trio by cram schindelauer van moss all really really good brands more geared for urban but we got a lot of bikepacking stuff for sure we have pedal ed we're the we're the only shop in canada that has uh pedal ed um which of course uh sponsored and 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 uh, helps create a lot of these races like Silk Road Mountain Race. Um, so yeah, we're doing a lot of good things, uh, a lot of big things to come for sure. So if you if you want, more than welcome to follow us at LOVELOMTL. Um, we're, we're very active, yeah. Right on, man. You know what? It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for sharing everything. Oh, and, thanks, uh, Steve. It's awesome. It's fantastic. And then uh, I tell everyone this, don't be a stranger next time you could do an event and you want to talk about it, or if you have something you want to share, or if you have something you want to plug for your shop, reach yep. out, man. And we'll have another conversation. Okay. Amazing. I, I definitely look forward to it. Thank you for this opportunity. It's a first. So this was, uh, this is really cool. Really nice. Nice. And, uh, I'm always in the West coast, so I will oh, yeah. definitely, uh, give you a heads up for sure. I'm yeah. pretty, I mean, Invermere, Canmore, we're pretty far from the coast. But we're closer to Calgary, Alberta. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I'm in Invermere. Yeah. But um, the cycling out here is amazing, as I'm sure you can. It, it, there's good biking everywhere. But if if you come and it's in the summer and you have time, try to come yeah. out to the Rockies and and we'll we'll ride bikes. Oh, for sure. Right on. For sure. I look forward to it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely uh, keep in touch. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Lamar. Thanks for your time. All right. Thank you. All right. Have a have good, good night. night. You too. Bye. Bye. I want to thank Lamar again for his time and thank everyone for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, that would be fantastic. Uh, when we hit 100 five-star ratings, I'm going, I'm going to get a tattoo of the Bike Pack Canada logo somewhere on my body. So I guess it's a bit self-serving, but by giving us ratings and reviews, it helps Bike Pack Canada grow, and that's just great for our community. So uh, head on over and do that. And it's much appreciated. Something I neglected to mention was um, uh, about Kyle's voice intro. That's Kyle Messier. Some of you who went to the summit uh, would have met Kyle there and a uh, great guy. Awesome to have him part of the community. Um, he can be found on Instagram uh, at Kyle underscore mess. So don't forget to head on over, check out Kyle, give him a follow. He's always up to interesting things, different races and whatnot. And uh, yeah, give him some love. And if you want to send me a voice intro, you can do so by emailing me at bikepackcanadapodcast at gmail.com. You can send me guest suggestions and feedback. And uh, I love the voice intros. I think it really adds an awesome dynamic to the podcast. And I think people enjoy hearing them. So send them in. Doesn't matter what you're doing. You could just be sitting on the couch thinking about biking. Uh, you can pontificate for a minute or two and send it my way. I'd love to hear from you. So again, thanks everyone, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. And until then, get out there, ride bikes, 
sleep in the woods, and keep the rubber side down.